0: Hello there and welcome to the Dubzone GA Club podcast. Derek Ryan here. We're going to be looking ahead to Sunday's Senior A Hurling Final between Kula and St. Bridget's over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Later on, we'll also be looking back on last weekend's Senior 1 Football Quarterfinals, uh, former Dublin and St. Vincent's man, Ger Brennan, is going to be joining us for that. But first, we're joined on the line by Dublin hurlers Owen O'Donnell and Paul Ryan. Hey, guys. How you, how you doing? doing? And here, as always, as well, is the Evening Herald's Conor McKeown. Hey, Tom, how how Conor. How's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, Connor, we touched on it last week, I guess, but assessing the championship as a whole, we're down to the last two. Um, a surprising pairing in some ways in that not many people would have predicted that uh, Bridges would be, would be in the final. And they're in the final, I guess, on merit. That it could be a pretty decent final on Sunday. Um,
1: it could be, <laughs> or look could win, uh, quite easily. um, um like is that more win.
0: what you're looking at? You're more what you're predicting?
1: Yeah, it kind of is, you know, um, just the more and more you see a cooler, the more and more impressive that they are. Um, and just looking at it there, you know, I think with Mark Shute back, I think it was only Mark's second game back from the, the injury, the shoulder reconstruction or shoulder uh, operation that he had earlier on in the year that ruled him out for Dublin. You know, 1-3 the last day. And um, you know, when they have everybody fit and firing, and I don't know John Shane and, and um, Paul Shute didn't play the last day, but I think they should be okay for this again. Um what I think it's particularly up front is where Bridges are gonna find it difficult because you know, they have some good man markers, but the way the cooler Forwards are moving now, like 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 before under Maddie Kenny you kinda of knew that it was gonna be Mark Shute and it was gonna be um Callan and what space they were gonna occupy. But there seems to be an awful lot more movement at the cooler Forwards now. Um and like the last day, you know, Darrell Connell popped up in the full forward position um for their second goal against St. Vincent. Um, so you know if you take you know bridges do have some good man markers but if you do go man to man with them and, and you follow them all over the pitch you can have some defenders find themselves in, in parts of the pitch that they're not that accustomed to it. um and if you don't go man to man and you try and keep men back they can kill you from out the pitch because there's so many good hurlers so um it'll just be interesting to see what bridges do there whether they do try and keep men back or if they if they go man to man and trust their man markers because if they do that like you see it's kind of a, a, a kind of a rotation of the of the Tula forward line, particularly the inside forward line who are all very comfortable playing for the red pitch. So yeah, like it's hard to look past Tula at the moment because I think you know like I was watching even the Fair Hurling final last weekend and like it's hard to see a team in the country at the moment, a club team that has the range and sort of variety of attackers that Tula do
0: Um guys by being too positive in suggesting it could be a pretty decent final, are you expecting it to be as as love-sided as obviously Connor does,
2: uh, yeah, no, it's, it's hard to know, um I think bridges have surprised everyone in in getting this far, and I think bridges will fancy themselves for another surprise, but I think Connor's right that the the sense throughout the county at the moment is that cooler are just too strong, and they're a county team in their own right, and the biggest headache for Johnny McGurk going into this game, I think is that decision whether to play the sweeper an extra man or to go man on man because it's kind of a catch-22 situation that if you play the sweeper, you have that little bit of extra in the cover, but then you're leaving someone like Sean Moore or Paul Shute free at the other end, and that's a position these lads excel in. So I wouldn't envy Johnny McGurk and the headache he's going to have over the next coming week. Um, like Connor touched on the forwards that Kula have are just probably a, a level above what Bridgets would normally be dealing with and what they face against Crave and... Uh, It was previous opposition, so there's four or five key men there that can do serious damage, and I just don't think Bridget's have the backs to cope with all four or five of them, that they might be able to shut down Con or Mark on a good day, but then Jake Malone or Sean Tracy, Nicky Kenny, all these lads are going to step up to the
0: plate then. Uh, Paul, I mentioned last week, I think um, I was talking to Connor, and uh, I I suggested that being underdogs would, uh, would suit Bridget's coming into this game. Um, but he said they're underdogs for a very, very big reason. And that's because cooler are going to uh, win the, win the final. Obviously he's reiterated that point yeah. this afternoon. Uh, your, your, yeah. your view on that.
3: Um. Yeah. Look, I, I I thought I'd have to agree with the guys in in some sense that it's very hard to see Bridget having in, having it in the tank to to get past Cooler. You know, the, he mentioned the movement. It's that's one thing I noticed about, about them this year. We played them in the league final, and you have Daryl Connell coming from midfield. He'll make a cutting run through, but then he'll stay in full forward line. Carm will pull out. Tracy pulls out, everyone's moving, it's it's extremely hard to mark them. Um and you'd want to be if you're going to go man to man, you'd want to make sure you have a lot of athleticism in your team, um, to be able to cover the ground. Um and uh, as O'Donnell was saying there, you know, if if you do if you do hold your ground, well then you're just giving the uh, those cooler guys, you know, the space to just pop it over, like Tracy can put it over from anywhere. Um, you know, Sean Moore must sit in that free role, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, I wouldn't envy them at all now. If I, you know, trying to come up with a game plan, but at the same time, um, you know, whether Cooler try to eliminate complacency or not, you know, you never know in the day. But do do bridges have the firepower? I don't know. Like they have good guys now, and and Paul Winters and you Keno Sullivan there playing well. But you know, Kula have five or six of those guys, and they gel really well together, um. So yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult to see past Kula.
0: Um, Connor, is the way uh, the Kula play now? Um, with the, under Willie Maher, uh, like how different is it? To, you, you you kind of touched on it there, but how different is it to the way the Maddie had the had the guys playing? And also, is it impressive? Uh, how impressive is it to you that he's managed to kind of change it and into some 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 sort of free flowing uh, attack that they have in such a short space of time?
1: Yeah, there has been there has been some evolution of the team there will be more to come because, like as Paul said, yeah, they won the league this year, but they did it without, I think, seven or eight players that were involved. Yes. The problem, um, you know, and one involved with the footballers' con as well. So from now on, I think we'll probably see the evolution of this school team team um, probably accelerate. But um, like they were very systematic and Matty, uh, because that's what really suited them. Like when they got when they left two men inside in a lot of space. They were able to cut teams apart when they got a good bit of ball. But now, like as, like, as Paul was kind of explaining, you know, fellas, I'm sure it's still quite as systematic, but it, it maybe looks a little bit looser because fellas are popping up in different positions um, from the ones that they're occupying at the very start of the game. So, like, even the one with Khan playing at centre forward the last day against uh, Vince, that really true, Vincent? because Moss Connolly dropped back as a sweeper to try and counteract him. Um, and then he didn't really know whether to go to Conn and Markham that far out the pitch as a double marker or whether to actually work as the sweeper. So, you know, they have that versatility because, um, they're so, they're so sort of talented, you know, like all those cooler players can play in pretty much any of the front six positions. Um, and the other thing as well is, as a team, they've won two All Ireland and three Dublin County Championships. So, um, I think probably, changing how they played even slightly under Willie Maher has suited them and has seen them maybe blossom into maybe not into a better team because they were you know a serious team when they won their two Ireland under Matty but, but probably you know to, to get the to get the levels of sort of enthusiasm and everything else back into the team like they look like it's fresh again um, uh, now mm. partly I think that's down to the fact that everybody's fit again or close enough to it but you know it, it, there, there definitely is some evolution of that, of that style from two years ago um,
0: Owen, uh, you've been watching Bridges in action in uh, for Jubs TV over the past few weeks in the quarterfinal and the semi final and their wins at Parnell Park. We've already touched on Kula, obviously, and their strengths, which are pretty much all over the park. Um, but tell us how Johnny McGurk has Bridges playing and where their big threats are this weekend. I think Paul mentioned them already, the likes of Keane O'Sullivan, Paul Winter's own Dunn. Uh, where can Bridges look at in terms of their strengths this weekend to give them a chance of winning?
2: Yeah, I think it's important to say as well, like because we're highlighting H- Kula's strengths, um, that's not taken away from Bridges' strengths because they have an awful lot of potential in their team as well. Um, Johnny McGurk seems to have the balance right between experience and youth. You have like lads in the spine like Alan Nolan and Dara Plunkett who have been around a long time and have been playing together a long time. So know they're set up very well. And then mixed with that, you have Owen Dunn, Paul Winters, Keno Sullivan, who will probably be the three standout forwards there in the the Bridgets line, and that's who they will be looking to um, to lead them on on uh, at the weekend. Um, Owen Don was probably potentially one of the players in championship so far. Uh, he's really exploded onto the scene. Um, John, it's not just uh, score and ability. He seems to be a, an all-round player. That he's winning puck outs. He's kind of dropping deeper as a centre forward and creating plays but well able to turn the wheels on when he wants and, and put some pace through the middle so these are the lads that they are going to be looking towards uh, on Sunday but as we said already that cooler are going to drop their half forward line and will not only have that space to, to put the ball out in front and as outright ball winners over Darrow Flynn Sean Moran Ushing and Paul Shooter, I don't know if if they are that yet but they're really a team that's grown into the championship so far, and we spoke about Cooler getting better. Uh Bridgets have certainly seen a massive improvement since they started. I think Cooler bests Bridgets by nearly twenty points in the in the group stage, and Bridgets sure as hell won't let that happen again, that they've grown into a different team. Uh, yeah, I guess the question for you all guys, uh, has this
0: been coming from Bridgets over the past few years? Uh like have you seen the, have you seen them kind of gradually build towards something that they're in a Deservedly in the county final now this season. Is that something that you kind of, you, you were aware that this is going to be happening from them over the past few years? Or is it a big surprise that they're in the final, Paul?
3: I think it's uh, something that we've seen coming, but probably maybe not as quick as I thought it would come. Like they, I think this year, they've just really gelled well together. Johnny McGurk has obviously done great work with them. Um, we played them, I think it was last year in the league final. And um, they they were quite good, like, but but this year they've just been... Been uh, much better than they used to be, you know. So I think all the guys up front are starting to gel, and um, right back into the into the full back line. But Noli, you know, Noli in the spine is a big one there. Like he'd be talking to them, he he'd be commanding the hallway they set up. And um, so to have that experience there, as O'Donnell said, um, is is massive for that team.
2: I think if if you said at the start of the year if they'd been a county final, you probably would say that they were playing above themselves. But I think they've kind of grown into the role that against Nafina, they were operating at 75-80%, and that was enough to get over Nafina team, who, again, is probably a team that we saw more coming through the ranks. Uh, but Bridges got over them, used the momentum, and then had uh, a a very, very impressive performance against Crave Kieran and grew that small bit more. So they are peaking at the right time, and that's whether that's a planned thing from Johnny McGurk or that's just the experience of two close championship games like that. Um. But like I'd say Johnny McGurk is he's a, a good man for the mental side of things. I'd say there's gonna be things up in the dressing room and they're gonna have a siege mentality going into this weekend that nobody gives them a chance and that, you know, their backs are against the wall and they're gonna come out fighting, that they won't be lying down for a second. And I think cooler are mature enough to avoid that pitfall as as Paul said earlier on, that no matter what you say or do, it can be very difficult to get rid of that complacency. But you know, this cooler team have been here and done it before and their ambition moves a lot further past a, a county final here. I think they'll be looking to be involved uh, in the later stages of the All-Ireland and I think that is probably more motivation than anything that they're going to go out. and. The other important thing that I was looking at the programme from the last day and cooler are such a inter-county team in their own right that they have 17, 18 lads pushing for places, which is actually quite rare for a club team that there's nobody really nailed on to start. You have lads like Nicky Kenny that wasn't supposed to start the last day, but did start and was probably arguably one of the top three players of the game. You have lads like Michael Conroy, who was on the under-20 team, started midfield, and he's not starting. So there's massive Ross Tierney in the backs. There's massive competition for places in every line of the pitch. So that gives training and lift. That makes Willie Mar's job a lot easier because it brings that natural intensity to it. Um. So they're just a massively strong team in their own right, and I know we're we're heaping a lot of praise on them, but teams <laughs> like this don't come out around too too often.
3: I'd agree with, with Owen there. Like they're they're so professional in every sense of the word. Like I'm, because myself and Owen would be with a lot of those guys with Dublin, you'd see how their drills. Like even when we were playing them this year, the guys that are on the sideline, uh, they're not just standing there either. Just because they're not in the pitch, they're they're running, they're doing sprints, they're they're getting their their steps in essentially um, and making sure that their fitness is is right up to the level if they're needed or if they you know everybody's pushing for a place so the question is with Bridget is are they going to go out to try and hold them and play that sweeper or are they going to have a have a right cut at it Um, so yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting see what way McGurk sets up
0: and Connor, like the, we've been talking, the lads been talking about about Kula and how and how you know professional that, that they they train and all that kind of thing. But like, where has this come from for the past five years? I mean, it's, it's probably a very difficult question to answer. But like, like five year, five, six years ago, w- was this building again for 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 Kula that they would be in a position that they'd be winning county finals left, right, and centre, and obviously going on to win All Irelands? Is it just a freak generation of players? Like, where, where have you seen this kind of success from Kula come from over the past five years?
1: Ah, uh, it's probably a great generation of players, but it's a few other things. Like, uh, you know, the, you know, a, a lot of that a lot of that team, um, had, had, like, fathers who were on the last Kula team, the one, three double fighting a all, like, the whole of them, the relationship with the two Um, So, like, they're, yeah, there are a bit of a kind of a freak generation as well because, like, you have to put it into context, you know, like, if Sula were to go and win the All-Ireland this year, and it might be a little bit disrespectful to talk about it before a Dublin County Final. but they are the Bookie favourites. Like, three All-Irelands in four years, like, that's kind of...
2: That's incredible.
1: That's awesome. like, like, no, that's... that's yeah. like, you know, gener- le- le- more than once in a two-generation sort of a team. So, there's a few things that's gone into it, Derek. First of all, there's a really good group of players They've come along at the same time that have grown up together and have a tremendous sort of uh intuition when they play with each other on the pitch but they've always been incredibly well managed like it's hard to underestimate um i'm sure that the lads will jump in at any second now and speak with marty kenny's whenever they want but it's hard to underestimate <laughs> uh just how well Matty had that team drilled. like he he turned them from what they were which is a team of really talented but probably just lacking a small bit of direction um as a group turned them into a really solid team um, and like to have leaders through the team and Carl shoota is a huge leader back there as russian got sean moran you know at a time when he wasn't even a dublin regular probably ten the best footballer in dublin and um, like the huge creativity and sean uh, tracy and jake malone you look at a fellow like colin cronin who wasn't played for dublin uh, probably since 2014 or 2015 and his ability to just break the line and get a goal um, and then. Mark you, they they And particularly Connell Callan. I know people are probably sick. Particularly Dublin Hurling people are probably sick of listening to how great Connell Callan is. But they mightn't get a look at him anytime soon. But, like, when he comes into the team, you turn a, an excellent team into an almost unbeatable team. Like, like, I don't know how you mark him. Like, he plays full forward, and, you know, he goes through the sweeper for a shortcut, the goals. he plays centre forward, and he can score and out pitch, quite the fact that he's barely held a hurl in his hand for the last seven or eight months. So, um, like when you build all those factors in together,
0: you get what is. Different. Yeah, and guys, like obviously you you played against them for the last while. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing it's it's a similar kind of uh, feeling from from your from your point of view being the opposition to Kula that there seems to be this kind of incredible machine.
2: Yeah, I think it's a machine that grows the more you feed it as well. That the more professionalism and the more experience you put in that team, they just they're the type of lads that eat it up and. You know, they, they got, obviously, an excellent coach. Matty Kenny's record speaks for itself. And they took all they had to learn from him. And then Willie marr coming in, and they've now pushed it on another another couple of percent. And that's just a credit to the type of lads that they have there, that, you know, you could have Matty Kenny with several clubs teams in Dublin and Willie Maher with the same teams, and it probably wouldn't have made as big an impact as they have in Kula. Um, that you know the the fundamental thing in the club is the players, and that's what they have in abundance. And you know that you can see that they aren't what they are obviously not too willing to let the success go. That you always see them posting nursery, uh, nursery fun days and things in the hall and stuff. That their social media, you can really see that everything is going on behind the scenes, and you know it, it's run quite efficiently. And they have obviously lads in charge and. Do you know what they're doing, do you know, and it's it's just a machine that is very hard to stop once it gets going. Good stuff. Okay, I guess I don't need to ask
0: for predictions, guys, because it's pretty obvious who you're going for this weekend. But uh, I guess by how much, how big a win do you expect Kula to have this weekend? And do you do you see Bridges putting up a fight to make it into it into some sort of game at all? Paul, we'll start with yourself.
3: Um, <laughs> I don't know. Look, it's a hard <laughs> one to call. It's a hard one to call. I like, don't want to be too disrespectful, but look, I'll go obviously go for the cooler win. Uh, by I don't know, it's going to be be we'll a call of five or six, probably being conservative. Okay, Gustavon.
2: Yeah, as much as I want to agree with Paul, I think it'd be slightly more. This cooler team is is ruthless, and uh, like a, a key theme throughout their games is that they've gone for goal every chance they get, and they've almost tried to force it on occasions. And I just with no disrespect to Bridgets if I had a fantastic season and I say if you offered it to them at this time of the year they would have taken it but I'd say it'd be closer to, to in around the ten points mark if if not more that Cooler could run away with it. And Connor finally.
1: I suppose I'll take somewhere in between the two lads. <laughs> look, it depends on it depends on how well Cooler start. you know, um, like the first ball Conor Callan gets you can be sure sure that he's going at goal. And you could make an argument to say that if Bridget start well, they could still be very much in the game at half-time and then the second half takes on a different lecture, but like Vincent's got a goal with their first ball in the semi-final and then Thule the Wets score two goals directly afterwards so um, I suppose it depends on how far they, ahead they go early on in the game um, but I think what the two lads say what, six or seven
0: OK guys thanks so many for joining us and just a reminder that Sunday's Dublin Senior A Hurling Final will be shown on TG Cahar it's the third coverage of the game the game is on at 4 o'clock at Parnell Park. You can watch it on TG Car from 22 to 6. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, we're going to be chatting football with Jer Brennan. Okay, we're going to turn our focus now to the football and last weekend's Dublin Senior One football quarterfinals. Connor has stayed on the line. Hi, Derek. And joining us to look back on those games is former Dublin and St Vincent's man, Jer Brennan. Hi, hey, Derek. Hi, Connor. Okay, good stuff. Uh, just a reminder of the semi finals from the quarterfinals at the weekend. Ballybowden St. Anders versus St. Jude's, Thomas Davis versus Kimmel Crokes Croakes are the uh, semi-final pairings after the result of the weekend. Ballybowden beating Nafina, St. Jude's beating uh, St. Vincent's, Thomas Davis beating Castlenock and Croakes beating Clontarf uh, over the weekend. Uh, Connor, I guess we'll start with yourself and uh, your overall assessment of the last four teams in the competition. Are they all deserving of being there after the
1: weekend and what did you make of the games in general? Well, the big surprise, I think, is, is Thomas Davis being in the last four. Um, you know, they were B champions last year and, it's a, you know, it's the first step up from the B championship to the A championship. Um, and I think Castle are one of those teams that have performed really well in the last few years. I did top that group to beat Vincent back in April. Um, and I thought that they would probably win that game. So I think that they're the big surprise. If there's a team that are possibly lucky to be there, you could make an argument that it's Ballyboden St. Enders because they were you know, had Nafina taken that goal chance just on the stroke of half time in extra time, might have found it hard to come back from four points down. And Nafina will obviously have regrets um, and recriminations about what happened to Connor McHugh um, when he got that second yellow card after being dragged to the ground by Declan O'Mahony just on the stroke of full time. So, you know, that's one of the that's probably the team that could be most lucky to be in the semi final with Barley Bowden. The, uh, one of the big talking points, I think, has to be the how easy Judes had it against Vincent. Um well you know, last week I think we were all pretty split as to how that game would go, but I don't think anybody really saw Judes being so much better than Vincent and Vincent's being so poor. So um you know that was a huge talking point and I think it was a very commanding display from Judes. Um in hindsight I think they're probably an even better version of the team uh that last year got to the county final. Um you know they're they're hugely organised and they're probably the last team on earth that Vincent wants to play, um, because you know they're big and structured, uh, and their movement is very preordained and they're very well drilled. Um, and when they ran at Vincent in the second half, Vincent lost their discipline and gave away needless Freeze. And...
4: Yeah, I I fully agree with you, Connor. And watching the Saint Vincent's lads having played with them for a long time, I kind of felt for sort them of out in the field. We we. We kind of lacked direction, lacked purpose in our attack, and as you mentioned, Connor St Jude's are such a, an organised and structured team, and and they know what they're about, and they certainly have improved. And they're all around gameplay uh, since last year when they lost the county final. Uh, while there was only, I think maybe was was eight points difference on the on, on the scoreboard, it was nine points last year, but. I think it could have been twenty points if if, if was really put us to the sword. So yeah, fail for fail for the St Vincent's players, but uh, possibly the writing was on the wall um, with some of the performances earlier on in the year uh, for St Vincent's. We were just a bit uh, unstructured and 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 rudderless on occasion. And um, Gerard, c- going into the game, would you because last week the
0: guys were pretty split about what would happen in this game. This was kind of the one game that they weren't sure about. They predicted Ballyboden to win. They predicted, um class enough to beat uh, Thomas Davis, but this was the one game that they said would be uh, very, very tight. Were you, I guess, going into the game wary about what would happen in the game? Were you, were you confident that Jude's would win?
4: Well, based on our performances in the Championship over the last six seasons, Derek, you are hoping that there's enough experience and muscle memory, uh, a mental memory to, to get ourselves uh, out of the hole and get through this uh, quarterfinal against St. Jude's. But probably in more recent times and recent games, um, just watching St. Vincent's, there was a lot of positional changes throughout the year, and I suppose the managers were trying new new things, um, putting guys in the different areas of the field, ultimately it came back to a more known structure or um, position on the field for us, Derek, with uh, the usual guys playing the usual positions. But again, we just... It was a, dispirited, uh disjointed performance from from uh, from Saint Vincent's and know other players, uh, haven't to, a couple of them since. Just feel disappointed with, turning uh, with their own performance, but probably year as a whole, while we're still in the uh, semi-final stages of the of the Division One League, um, that league position may be covering a couple of cracks that exist in the squad at the moment.
0: Um, and tell me. Uh, You know, we spoke last week about the fact that, uh, you know, Jews would frustrate Vincent's. That obviously turned out to be the case because I think uh, Vincent's went two points up after six minutes and scored two more points for the rest of the game. So in the last 54 minutes of the game, they scored two points. And obviously one of them came in the last minute when they were eight points down to bring it down to seven uh, in the end. From a Jews perspective, their game plan worked pretty well because they frustrated Vincent, stopped them from creating a whole lot, certainly in the second half.
4: Well, the the funny thing is, Derek, just looking at some of my notes here from the game. In, in that first half period, we missed two goal chances. Uh, Massey had an off day with his own striking. Uh, he missed four in the first half. And Dermot also missed one. And actually Adam Baxter missed another shot. So we missed all in all 2-6 two, two uh, in the first half period. Despite not playing particularly well. And if those scores go in early on, the team can gather a bit of momentum and and a bit of confidence. But alas, he didn't. And I know when we were chatting last week, you know my initial uh, preview in 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 looking at how uh, Jude's perform, Eric is you can't let them get a lead on you because they play so defensively. uh, they get numbers um back, and they do break a pace too. In fairness, but um. It's very hard to break them down when they have a lead and they're just so well versed now and experienced that's kind of keeping the ball and, and uh, just sucking the life out of opposition once they have a lead on you and uh, fair play to St. Jude's because they did that extremely effectively after the initial five ten minutes they kind of got a stranglehold in the game and there was probably only one winner after 10 minutes in my eyes. And,
0: Conor, I guess the right was on the wall. Uh, as Jer mentioned there, you don't give uh, Jews a lead. And, and the right was on the wall. There were 5-3 up at the break. But by a, a few minutes into the second half, it was 7-8-3 you know, very very quickly. into the, it, it seemed it seemed kind of like they, they picked up a big lead kind of out of nowhere. Suddenly, they were five or six points ahead, certainly from my point of view, at least. W- was the game over pretty much with 15, 20 minutes to go? 15 minutes to go, at least, when... When it looked like, um, you know, they had that big lead. And again, y- y- you can't give Jews certainly any sort of lead, let alone a big lead.
1: Yeah. But like, as you said, like, Vincent went two points up at the very start. And as Gare outlined, they had a lot of chances to kind of, you know, put up a better score at half time. Um, like, it wasn't a case of Jews that first goal or scored three or four points on the clock. And then Vincent were chasing us. It. Like, it was like Vincent's were kind of being nearly dispirited by their own play as much as how dudes were playing. Like the dudes keep the ball really well. Their kick pass and kind of mid range kick passing was very accurate. Like if you remember as well, I think Devin McManaman had three wides and another drop short into the keeper's hand mm-hmm. in the first half. Um now we obviously had a big influence on in the game particularly in the second half. But like dudes had their chances as well. But a lot of the dudes' movement seems to be pretty well orchestrated. Um whereas if you look at the in the second half, you know, Gary McConnelly was getting the ball Sort of 65 yards out in the center forward position, but because dudes keep their structure so well, like it, it's so, it's impressive to watch how diligent they sort of make sure it's all the positions are being manned. Like, Bear McConley was forced to kind of kick these low, long balls. But then you had, they were kind of into the corners, so you must be Quinn and, uh, and the Varley kind of scampering into the, kind of, fam line. You know, and even if you win it out there, you have to go through a wall of bodies to, to get a shot out, so. You know, the, when you come up against a team like Jude, like one of the things that can kind of break them down is, you know, a moment of genius or several moments of genius, is, uh, preferably, preferably, but uh, usually what you need to do is to have a very fine and orchestrated game plan at time. And if Vincent had that um, breakdown, that he didn't do it very well or was very hard to
4: And it's probably something, Connor, that St. Vincent's we would have had over the last 10 years uh, when we were kind of competing at semi-final final stages was that the uh, fine structure defensively and offensively um, also a lot of clarity in terms of roles and what what, and what players were supposed to be doing and what was admirable about St. Jude's but you've to already is everyone had an understanding of what was expected of them if they were a wing forward who found themselves covering the middle part of the pitch, they still had an understanding of what was required uh, of them, and I thought what well, they did very well. But with, with, with their image. Chris Guckian tied-ish to him and and Mark Sweeney dropping into the space behind Chris, it was a, it was a very unlikely that we were going to get a, a run on them uh, straight down uh, the middle, and then the quality of ball, as Connor mentioned, Eric into the into the corner, oh, sorry, into the corners. You're not going to get a whole lot from them. Uh, Saint Joe's and our kickouts, I thought were excellent in what they did. They did to and Vincent's watch Kerry did the Dublin in the drawn All Ireland final, really committed, nearly seven guys inside the opposition forty five yard line, forced the ball along and kept bodies numbers around the break. And I think they won, they won the vast majority of uh of kickouts. that we did improve in the second half, but the last was too late.
0: And where to now for Vincent's Jer? Because uh it was a it's a Big defeat. Can they recover from this next year? I mean, they've obviously got a lot of guys in the team who are still all Ireland winners from a few years back. I mean, do they need fresh blood, or what? What do they need to do in to compete for next year?
4: Well, again, with any big defeat, there there has to be a lot of self reflection from players and from management and from everyone involved, and there needs to be an honest look at how fellas prepared again on the field and off the field and how management went about their own business too and guys need to ask themselves is this something that they really want to do? Um, are they up to it uh, because we do have a very strong pedigree there and a lot of All-Ireland and county medals uh, still within the squad so we haven't become a bad team overnight it's just la- la- lacked a bit of direction in my view looking at it but there's a lot of honest questions and hard conversations that need to be have, had over the, the next couple of weeks and you know we can't lose the momentum of the last couple of years. Good stuff.
0: Um. Okay. I guess the you, you mentioned already, Connor, the best game or the big game of the weekend was on Saturday night. Was live on RTE. Was Bowden against Nafina. Bowden coming through it eventually. I think they won by two goals, three fifteen to one fifteen. From memory, uh, was the final score. Um, a really great game. So many talking points out of it. Uh, you mentioned uh, Connor, that Nafina possibly could feel uh hard done by not coming out of it because of some of those. Uh, it, it contentious decisions which we'll talk about in a second but even some of the key moments in the game for example Rob McDade's block at the end of uh, the first half of uh, extra time was such a key moment obviously Nafina scored their goal first in the game it looked like maybe they might be able to see the game out before before uh, Bascale scored scored uh, the, go, the late goal for Bowden to bring them back into it so a lot of key moments in the game went Bowden's way and I guess Nafina could feel very hard done by coming out of that game at the end of it uh, that they're not into the semi-final
1: yeah well they'll have huge regrets um huge regrets some of them are their own making and some of them aren't um but the goal chance again like it was a really well worked move um and just if you look at it again i think it's, it's again o'reilly had the ball in his hand but he kind of if he delayed the pass maybe a second longer well then the, the receiver could have had the option of actually just pamming the ball into the back of the net but as it was he had kind of had to catch it um and then take a shot and it gave Robin McDay the chance. And it was a brilliant block, so like I mean it doesn't take anything away from Robin McSay's block. It was a it was a brilliant play and a brilliant defensive play. Um but I do think if Nathina had gone four up um it could have been hard for Ballybow to get back into it because yeah Ballybowden won by six but like their you know, last goal was a was a goal on the break. and uh, but like it was a great night for Collie Basel, like it was really lengthy really but the uh, you know, the uh, I think the red card to Conor McHugh that got an awful lot of kind of traction online. A lot of people were very upset about it. Um and I think you're the you feel slightly hard done by in that situation because you know, if the letter of the law was being followed, I think on and Mahani should have been black carded Um and Fina the got a free. And okay, he further the rest, but it finally turned around, all you could see was two people rolling around wrestling with each other. But the line's one was quite close to so you know, it does happen a lot. We see it, uh, particularly in the Inter County game where the aggressor in that situation, um, doesn't get any sort of extra punishment as to the player who reacts. You know, those, those couple of moments are the do, that they'll probably be real.
4: Yeah. I, again, I agree with Connor, not to be rubbing all your points, Connor, <laughs> but, uh, uh, he's seen the game very similar to me to maybe look at the Connor McHugh incident. Firstly, what I will say about officials is that we do need officials uh, in place in order to pay these games. I, I, I would raise a question over or sometimes the maybe the standard of of, uh, of refereeing on occasion. Um in this particular uh, case, Barry Tiernan, and the referee, I was actually standing on the same side of uh, of the sideline official who communicated with Barry Tiernan at uh, the Declan Mattine and Conor McEwinson. Barry Tierney was was watching where he was supposed to be watching, and this was developing behind him, in the forty five yard line, and under the instruction of the linesman, he gave Conor McHugh a second yellow card, and I just think it was an awful decision. Uh, again, I would have said on the night, with a bit of covers that was there, Derek and Conor, that Declan McManly did what I have done before and would have done myself, and Philly McMahon and the night with me as well. We both agreed that. Um, you just do these things, it's cynicism is part of uh of, of sport, and that that's one of the things that goes on. But the real cop out for officials at inter county level and a club level is booking two fellas. Like, how often do you see forwards actually dragging back to the ground? The only time forwards put a bit of a press on the backs is if, if it's our kick out, they might be nudging and pushing a small bit, which is good. But forwards, uh, by their nature, aren't um uh instinctively aggressive Derek O'Connor. So for Connor McHugh to get the second yellow card there, I actually thought it was an awful decision. And again, no more than players looking at themselves after games, I think referees should be on linesmen reviewing um their decisions with the view of uh of improving uh their own quality going into the semi finals wherever games they are evolving uh, afterwards. So that'd be the first big uh talking point from the game for me. The second thing Derek uh, would be Ryan, sorry, Callum Basquel. I thought the longer the game went on, uh, Collie would have been in UCD. Uh, would have played a small, but with him in my latter years with Dublin, he's an extremely fit individual, and he of the fitness tests that he would have been part of over the years. He's always to the fore. And again, the longer the game progresses, the more that Colin Basquale needs to be watched. And in fairness to Johnny Cooper or merchant who has. Dublin players coming back into the Nafina the setup. up they were excellent against Bally Munn the previous round and I thought they were close to excellent second the last night out as well against Ballybone St. They just took their eye off the ball a small bit with Collie um, in the latter stages of the extra time and again with Collie's fitness, his power output it wouldn't drop too much from the start of the game to the end of the game and that's where he is most legal and then you got to commend the quality of his finishing. I thought the quality of his finishing was excellent, in uh in how he stroked the ball into into the net and his pointing taken as well. And then the third thing for me, uh, talking point in the game was the fiend's inability to put goal chances away. I think that's what caught them. They did kick some lovely scores in the first half. Just looking at my notes here, they had the ball in the first half of normal time inside Paddy Bowden's and then this forty-five yard line fourteen times, but they only came away with eight scores. So, they are missing goal chances. Uh, Connor did mention uh, James Doran's missed goal chance. Again, no doubt he'd be kicked himself, haven't, haven't missed, missed it. Uh, but he had a super game, though, as well. And again, I agree with Connor that Glenn O'Reilly, just another couple of steps forward, he, he would have really fixed or committed the goalkeeper uh, to Glenn, and it would have been a simple PAM goal. But again, it's easy being the word on the ditch and reviewing the game uh, in, in in real time. Split decisions that define uh, uh, success, and and in this case, but a failure in the scoreline, a very successful year for Desi Farrell and the lads uh, involved, but uh, just not quite uh, at the level just yet.
0: The red card for Conor McHugh was one of the big talking points. Um, there's another red card that was quite contentious over the weekend. That was Jack McCaffrey's on uh, Sunday. Contentious for some people, not for other people. people. Some people, it was a high tackle, so a lot of people felt it was a deserved red card. Others disagreed your view on that and how big a part did that play in Croaks win because before that Paul Mannion had just come off the bench at half time kicked a couple of quick scores to put Croaks ahead so were Croaks kind of on the upper curve anyway do you feel that the red card played a massive part in the result or even with Jack on the pitch would Croaks have come away with the win
1: um, I could think Croaks were going to win the game anyway but uh, like but we were deprived of an exciting finish to the game because Jack McCarthy was sent off. Was it deserved? I don't know. It was definitely borderline. I think he gave the referee a decision to make. You know, in a situation like this, the temptation is always to say, well, he's not that sort of player. And we know that that's not really in Jack's left square. But it's whether the offense warranted the red card or not, and it was probably high enough that, that you know, there was a question mark over. Um, but it's a shame because it was a good game up until then and folks hadn't had it all their own way. And as he said, they had to bring Paul Manion off the bench. And... I think it might have been only a point in um, for the time Jack sent off. And I'm not sure that Clint Hart scored after that, but um you know, Kroakes definitely had like if you take scoring chances as being a sign kind of a team kind of superiority generally, I think folks might have had twenty seven shots on the day and had got fifteen scores off that so um you know, the conversion rate wasn't hectic, but them. Um, yeah, like so, and the player of Jack McCaffrey's um, uh caliber or standing in the game and influence on the team, and they lose games. It's always going to have a huge bearing on the game, but to that game, which looks like against expectations, is going to be a really competitive one. Sort of feature out after we Yeah, uh,
4: Jack was. He put off four minutes in the second half. Cantarf being one point up, seven six at half time, and uh, Manny did come in there, like you mentioned, and kicked a superb free with his first possession on the forty five yard yard line, slightly the wrong side of the post for a left footer and then kicked another ball from same distance out on the good side for a left footer and then Jack got his red card. For me what was disappointing for Clontarf as a whole was nearly from 1 to 15 and the subs that came in they just lost all sense of belief in themselves as individuals and as a group and I found it hard to fathom that Someone of Jack McCaffrey's uh, caliber and being a, a real leader in the squad, and once he went off, so many players just nearly imploded mentally. And probably one example was I thought in the first half, Andy Foley, number eight for Clontarf, had had a super game, and and himself and Morgan Walsh were nearly dominating the midfield pairing uh, of Craig Diaz and Ben Chublin for that first half period. But once Jack went off, they just they lost all 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 sense of purpose and. Again, were somewhat uh, rudderless The balls that the well, their use of possession, their decision making, uh, in possession, they just kind of lost all sort of hope. They kicked one score towards the end of the second half. Um, so finished off sixteen points eight. Again, I would agree with Connor. Uh, Croaks were only in probably second or third gear in the first half, and they didn't get much higher than that into the second half. And you always expected them to push on. If if they needed to uh, do that, and um, the introduction of Paul Mannion started that bit of class. Um, I think Shane Walsh from Clontarf, the wing back, is, is is due a good mention. I thought he had a superb game, and it looked to be a man marking job on Shane Horn, wing forward for to quote Shane Horn Watching him the last day uh, against Saint Sylvester's in round three of the group, he was playing nearly like Uncle Kenny does for Dublin, and and just being a cog in the wheel. Uh, Certainly moving the ball forward, for chemical croaks and the amount of uh, ball that went through him uh, was extremely high. But Shane Walsh had a superb game on him, with uh, resulting Shane Horn being taken off midway during the second half. But look at croaks of so much firepower. Uh, Shane Cunningham there, Callum Pearson, Pat They only kicked two frees, but it's very loose in front of the goal. And then he introduced uh, Paul Mannion then as well. You know they're taken off a lot of watching so. When you think you have one or two of their key guys um, covered, all of a sudden a couple of other fellas are are, are popping up and putting balls uh, over the bar. Croaks will have to up their game going into the semi final. I know you're chatting about that next week, but they 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 I don't think they'll get away with. Um, the lack luster, uh, kind of second gear, third gear performance that they displayed against Lantarf. Uh They won't get away with that. I don't think against Thomas Davis the next day. Yeah, and
0: finally, uh, looking at that Thomas Davis result, last but not least, because it was the shock of the weekend. Like I say, last weekend, uh, or last week on the podcast, Connor, you were uh, right in so far as uh, going for the uh, three of the four teams that qualified, Bowden, uh St. Jude, well, Saint Jude's and, and, and Vincent's was touch and go Croaks. but Thomas Davis was kind of the outlier. Um, a lot of people predicted Kelsenok to go through. How impressed were you by Thomas Davis at the weekend?
1: Yeah, really impressed. Like, if you look at it from the Castlenoth point of view, I think Darren McDermott-Rowe got five points. Uh, Tommy McDaniels got one-two from play. Karen Kenny and Shane Bowling got three points each. Like, if I gave you these scores beforehand, you'd say that's probably in line with Castlenoth winning. But like what we didn't see was Thomas Davis' ability to open up Castlenoth, which they did. At like that period where we had three goals and the started of the 90 seconds, kind of chaotic football at the start. I heard a clip where Jerry was getting very excited there in the commentary booth, and um, when all those goals were piling in, but um, like it was, it was really, really impressive sometimes Thomas Davis because their movement. You know, when you when you haven't seen the team a lot, it's hard to kind of, you know, when, when when you're not kind of expecting something to happen, it's hard to kind of read it. But um, their movement was really good, and um, they picked out their they picked out their men really well. Like Karen Farley was really good. Obviously, on Kirby, you get one five in the end, one three to play. Three twelve was a good yeah. score against Aston like, a good team. game. Um, and like, you know, I don't want to go back to the cliche, but to get three goals in a game like that, particularly two in such quick succession like as Thomas Davis did, you kind of set the tone for the game. Um, and Aston for whatever reason, never really looked like they were going to kind of. Not that they didn't sort of rally, they did. Like a lot of their big players played really well, but just, I just think Thomas Davis collectively were kind of a little bit more. Um, I don't know, a little bit sharper, a little bit. It's hard to quantify these things. But they were, they were very, they were, they were convincing winners in the end. They were, they were,
4: they were, they were, probably hungrier. For me, Connor, over over the course of the sixty odd minutes. You look at the age profile profile of Thomas Davis' and compare it to Castle Knock. You know, centre back for Davies Brian Kirby, thirty eight. Kieran Faraday, thirty eight. Shane McGrath, who I would have played with development squads in minor and 21 to Dublin over the years, 34, 35. And all of those those three guys all stood up, particularly Shane McGrath in the second half, coming in with three points. And Kieran Farley, using his experience and his body strength, uh, scored 1 1. But um, Castle Knock, Derek, would, would, would play similarly to St. Jude's. It it how they get numbers behind the ball and look to break at pace, but Thomas Davis just kind of met him head on. They 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 when they Thomas Davis did push up, and met Casenock uh, in their own half, they stopped them building up any momentum. And again, I think they were well worth the one point victory. Uh, they just showed a bit more desire uh, to win. I was at a couple of the county board meetings. Two years ago, when they were redefining uh, the new senior football structure in Dublin with the senior A and senior B, and Thomas Davis is with their tradition of again, winning three in a row, I think the late 80s into the 90s, they were quite disappointed and hurt at those county board meetings that they were being placed in a, in a senior B championship. And I can only assume, and the evidence suggests now, that having won senior B last year. They uh They sat down and made a choice as a group of players to probably, you know, give the two fingers, uh, so to speak, to maybe uh, the county board executive or, I don't know. While well, I do think it is a good structure and a good decision from the county board just to get that in there, but they have something to prove, Thomas is and they proved it, and they're really in bonus territory now. Um, Owen Kirby, uh, as as Connor mentioned, I thought was super. And Ryan Deegan, midfield then as well, that uh, was super. And then actually Robbie Crilly, the goalkeeper, in the second half, he came up to try the slot one and he and he missed it. And then a couple of moments later he sorry, in sorry the first half he missed one. A couple of moments later the second half he came up and and, and and struck the ball over the bar. I think that might got him back to the level uh, at that stage in the second half. But again they just progressed on and they they held out but it's, it's, it's amazing what team spirits can do to a team where there's no out and out superstars in comparison to some of the fellas we know in the lock team but when a group of players sit down and decide that they're going to try something and work hard at it it's amazing what can happen and I think we've seen that on, on Sunday afternoon
0: Good stuff guys, um, thanks a million for joining us Uh, this week, just a reminder of the semi-final fixtures Um, you mentioned there Thomas Davis playing Croaks that's at 7 o'clock in uh, Parnell Park, that's on uh, Saturday week the 26th of October before that at Parnell Park it's at a quarter past five Ballybowden take on St. Jude's on uh, Saturday week the 26th of October and uh, just a couple of the senior two fixtures by the way half past one at of Park on Saturday 26th it's Temple Oak, Sing Street versus Whitehall, Calm kill Coola versus Round Towers Lusk at half past three at of two Park on Saturday as well that's Saturday 26th Saturday week A reminder before we go that Sunday's Dublin Senior A Hurling Final will be shown live on TG Carr. It's deferred coverage of that game. The game is on at 4 o'clock at Parnell Park. You can watch it on TG Carr from 5.40. That's it for now. Thanks for listening and chat to you soon.